All right. Um, lots going on with uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and, and of late uh, a couple of, of, of interesting points uh, that are obviously ramping up this uh, this situation. And, and we could be at a turning point here, whether it's uh, Russia now calling up another 300,000 troops or, or drafting them, uh, as well as uh, annexing four more regions of Ukraine, which they basically the Ukrainians took back. Um, pipeline, the uh, Nord Stream pipeline, uh, sabotage there. Road to Crimea, sabotage there. They're also talking that that could be related to uh, issues in Germany regarding uh, their train infrastructure. So are we at a turning point here? What is happening? Let's bring in Dr. Jack Cunningham, a, a PhD program coordinator at the Bill Graham Center for Contemporary International History, Trinity College, Monk School, University of Toronto, and is with us now. Jack, thank you for your time. I hope you're well. I am, Scott. Hope you're well, too. Uh, thank you so much. Considering where we are, and as I mentioned, the last few things that have happened in the last week or two, uh, are we at a turning point here? It, it, it seems as if this is coming to a head. Is it? I think it would be premature to say this is a turning point. It, uh, it, it is certainly uh, a worsening situation from Mr. Putin's point of view. Uh, on the other hand, he is... Uh, he is sufficiently invested in this, in this course of action that it's uh, it's unlikely to see him uh, backing down, no matter how many obstacles we put in his way. Uh, now, President Zelensky, as he has uh, since the beginning of all of this, requesting air support. We know that that's a fine line. Does anything change now? I think we may see air defenses uh, from from the uh, from the west, but not. Uh, not uh, not aircraft with uh, NATO pilots actually flying them. That would uh, that would cross a red line that uh, the, the West's leaders have been careful to draw between military aid to Ukraine and ensuring that uh, that we're not actually directly engaged with Russian forces. That's our red line or the Allies' red line. What's the red line for Putin? Well, that's tough to say, uh, and. It's in his interest to make it seem that he's uh, that he's more dangerous, perhaps, than he really is in the short term, with this uh, this nuclear saber rattling that he's indulged in in recent days. Uh, he has certainly shown that he's uh, that he's frustrated. I think the uh, the, the massive wave of uh, of bombings and strafings and drone strikes the last two days have indicated that. Uh, it it uh, must have been a rather bitter pill for him to swallow on his seventieth uh, birthday. Rather than taking a victory lap, he's having to uh, deal with the sabotage of the Crimea bridge. So he's uh, he's frustrated. He's having difficulties. Problems are mounting for him. But uh, that doesn't mean we're at a turning point just yet. So why is he ramping things up this way? I mean, is this reaction to, uh, you talked about the, the, the bridge to Crimea and such, um, is this reaction that, uh, well, even in the uh, four regions that they annexed, uh, Ukraine went back in and took over, uh, is this reaction to the aggression of Ukraine? Uh, it's a reaction to Ukraine's military success in repelling Russian invasion. Yeah, uh, Putin has... Uh, has 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 really got a lot staked on the notion that this was uh, that this was going to be a relatively uh, quiet and uh, and easy conquest. It hasn't turned out that way. Uh, uh, public disquiet is mounting, although it's muffled by uh, strict censorship and uh, 
punitive anti-dissent laws in Russia, but uh, the public is uh, is increasingly unhappy. I mean, there was sort of an unspoken deal between Putin and the Russian public that he would restore Russia as a great power uh, without asking too much from them by way of sacrifice. Now with the uh, the mobilization, he is asking for a lot by way of sacrifice. And I suspect that once the body bags start coming home in large numbers, uh, things will... Uh, things will turn even more sour for him. Uh, so he unloads this weekend, and and, and obviously uh, a lot of damage in Ukraine. What now? Doesn't he have to keep backing that up? Can he keep backing that up? Is this taking it to another level? Well, he can keep backing it up as long as he wants to and as long as the uh, the Russian stockpile of, uh, of military hardware holds out. Uh he is uh, he is relying upon, uh, unfortunately, from his point of view, a military that is not particularly supportive, that is uh, has, is not characterized by very strong morale, uh, that is afloat on seas of vodka, and uh, most of whose members would just as soon desert as risk their risk their lives in Ukraine. So how do you explain the sabotage? Uh, any thoughts on the pipeline? Any thoughts on the road to uh, this bridge to Crimea? What uh, What's happening here? Well, there are uh, there are all sorts of theories out there for both, but I haven't yet seen any any uh, clear intelligence linking uh, linking Ukraine to either one. Uh, and keep in mind, uh, Putin has uh, domestic opponents. He has opponents in other countries as well. Uh, it's tough to say, and I wouldn't want to prejudge either incident. Uh, with that being said, with these incidents, uh, are attitudes in Russia changing? Are, is Russian society, Russian civilians changing their opinion of this? There are some indications that it is. Uh, for example, the, uh, the public is now tuning out the official state-sponsored news broadcast and tuning in a, a Russian news network that's broadcasting from exile. So there's uh, there's uh, discontent with the official version of how things are going. There is, I suspect, a growing realization that they are not going all that well, and that is going to lead to uh, further problems down the line for Putin. Is Putin thinking, and, you know, obviously we can't put ourselves in his mind, you know, as long as I just keep bombing the way that i just did this past weekend eventually they're just going to give up is that his plan it could very well be his plan i mean the the problem is that uh, while he has not won uh, a victory as of yet uh, ukraine is still on the defensive very much on the uh, the, the defensive strategically even if it has launched some uh, uh, offensive operations so he has uh, he could probably rationalize pursuing the uh, the course that he's chosen. Uh, is anybody asking at this point, uh, Jack, if you know if Russia spoke, was supposed to be a superpower? This was all supposed to be over in a couple of days, uh, and here we are stretching it out into uh, almost eight months. If it's not, um, if he can't take Ukraine. Who the heck can he take? Is this this is hardly a superpower if he can't go back and take a country which he always thought was his anyway? Well, even at the height of the Cold War, uh, the Soviet Union, while it had a very large army, did not have a particularly uh, technologically sophisticated one, 
or uh, or a particularly impressive arsenal, except for the fact that it has nuclear weapons. The old Soviet Union was basically a third world country with nukes. <coughs> so uh, is there any reason to, I mean, just because he does have nuclear uh, 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 weaponry, does that mean it's advanced? Does that mean it can be successful or does the word nuke just scare the heck out of everybody? I think it it, uh, it it encourages caution, rightly so. I'm not sure it scares anybody. People realize that he, his words should not be taken at face value. <coughs> I mean, Mr. Putin is a great one for uh, for bluff and bluster and uh, and threats. Whether he'd actually follow through on them is another story. What do you see happening short term here, Jack? We only got about thirty seconds left. I don't see things winding down short term. I think this is going to continue for a while. Dr. Jack Cunningham with us, Ph.D. program coordinator at the Bill Graham Center for Contemporary International History, Trinity College, Monk School, University of Toronto. Jack, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. You too, Scott. Take care. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.